I trust you well. Great to see you guys here in person. And great to know there's a whole bunch of you watching online as well or listening to this message. Praise the Lord. It's good to be together. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And I trust you are being blessed by this uh, series that you're doing, Coffee Mug Christianity. I hope you are learning something about it and um, uh, understanding what it's all about. Because this series is about bringing clarity to cliches. You know, cliches are those, those phrases, those words which... We use them so often that they lose their meaning. And even though at one stage they might have meant something and being significant to us, eventually we use them so much, thank you brother, we use them so much that, you know, they, they kind of lose that impact. And then we just say them for the sake of saying. There's no more meaning to it. We don't really speak it from the heart. It's just, just say them, you know, just to kind of dismiss it because it sounds right or it sounds good in a certain uh, situation. So it becomes overly familiar and commonplace. Now, the danger of that uh, idea of cliches, the danger of cliches, is that well-known Bible verses can become cliches in our lives. We use them so much, we know them so well. Maybe since children, we've been hearing about them and learning them in, in Sunday school and kids' church, and, and we hear them so often. We speak them so much that eventually we're just reciting them without thinking what they actually mean. And some verses over time, they kind of morph into something else because all we look at is at that verse, and we never bother to go and look into the context of the verse. And it's very dangerous to live with verses out of context. Verses can be completely misinterpreted, like the one we heard last week. And others can be misunderstood, like the one we're going to be looking at this morning. So there is this danger of coffee mug Christianity, living by, by the verses taken out of the coffee mugs, but without placing them in their proper context. I mentioned last week as well that uh, in the past, people used to live out of promise box. It was a promise box Christianity. You have a little promise box and you pull verses out and, oh, God's speaking to me. Today, somebody reminded me last week, we've got another one, social media Christianity. We've gone now beyond cups and promise boxes to social media Christianity. You know, you live by on your phone, on WhatsApp and Facebook and so on. Every day you're getting, you're getting verses and you're getting these memes, you know, with, with pictures and a Bible verse. And what happens is you start living by these daily memes instead of living by the Word of God. We read those verses and give a little fuzzy feeling inside, a warm feeling inside, but you really understand what that verse is saying. Are you reading it within context? And that's why it comes, that little mug we showed you last week. I can do all things through a verse, through out of context. <laughs> Amen. And many of you like that mug. We're going to try and see if we can make some of those. It will be a nice reminder of the series for you, okay? And then you can, we can purchase some of them there. But anyway, today is part three. Today is part three. Be joyful always. Be joyful always. And I've got my mug over here. One Thessalonians 5.16, be joyful always, be joyful always. Now, ah, we like to be joyful, don't you? 
Ever come to a point where you read that verse or it pops up on your, you know, device or somebody comes to you and says, come on, brother, be joyful. My sister, be joyful. The Bible says, be joyful always. You say, be joyful yourself. If you only knew what I'm going through right now. How dare you say, be joyful. Just try and get into my shoes and see what happens. You see, so it's, a, it's one of those verses which is there. And when we read about them in church, you go, oh, hallelujah, yes. <laughs> but it's one of those verses which can be misunderstood. This verse can bring comfort and joy to, to some people. It can in, encourage them, be joyful always. Other, other translation says, rejoice always. But for other believers, they read this verse, and it's a wonderful opportunity to feel guilty. <laughs> because I'm not joyful always. The Bible is saying, be joyful always, but right now I'm not joyful. Or maybe I go through periods in my life where I'm not joyful. So there must be something wrong with me, right? Because if I'm a Christian, the Bible says, be joyful, and I'm not joyful, then maybe I'm not a Christian. Maybe I'm not saved. Maybe, 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 can you see how it can get really confusing? So we're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about it. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, be joyful always. In other versions, including the New King James, says, rejoice always. And, and this verse, be joyful always, it is, it is, it is part of a kind of a three staccato of commands. You know, Paul is writing very well to Thessalonians. As he comes to the end, suddenly he goes into this pa-pa-pa. He says, be joyful always, pray without ceasing, give thanks always. Give thanks for everything. Be joyful always, pray at all times, and give thanks in everything. Be thankful in all circumstances, is what he says. Be joyful always, pray at all times, be thankful in all circumstances. This is what God wants from you in your life in union with Christ Jesus. How? Did you hear that? Now, when you read the little three staccatos, the, the, the little three things together, it sounds impossible. How dare anyone tell us to be joyful always? To pray at all times. What about when I'm sleeping? Be thankful in all circumstances. Come on. It would have been much better and much more acceptable if Paul had said, rejoice a lot. Pray often. And try to be thankful. I mean, I could live with that, couldn't you? Huh? Rejoice a lot. Pray often. Try to be thankful. That would have been much more doable. I could swallow that. But it's not what it's written. And on top of that, it states very clearly that this is the will of God for you and me. It's the will. You want to know what the will of God for you is? Here it is. Be joyful always. Pray at all times. Be thankful in all circumstances. Write it down. Take it home. 
And if somebody asks you, what's God's will for your life? Say, very easy, it is. <laughs> Three things. That is God's will. You see, that kind of makes it even more intense. Rejoice. Pray. Be thankful. Let's talk about rejoice. Be joyful. Not sometimes. Always. The writer here is Paul. And as we saw last week, joy and contentment seem to be a regular topic that he spoke about and he wrote about. To have joy and to rejoice is presented as a provident quality of believers. If you are a follower of Christ, if you are a believer, then one of the characteristics of your life, according to what is written, should be joy. You should be a joyful person. That's God's will for us. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5.22, it is mentioned as one of the fruit of the Spirit. It goes love, joy, peace, and so on. Joy is right there next to love. We all know that Christians should love, right? Well, right after comes joy. Joy, you've got to love and you've got to be joyful. Rejoice! <laughs> so you've got to love with a smile in your face. <laughs> in the book of Philippians, joy or rejoice appears at least 14 times. More than 14 times, actually. Philippians 4, chapter 4 and verse 4, is that well-known verse. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. And, and when, when, when you read that verse, Paul is actually giving a command. And because Paul is writing under the instruction of the Holy Spirit, it's actually God giving you and I a command. Twice in one verse. Rejoice in the Lord. And again I say, Rejoice. Always. We even like to sing about it. Remember the old chorus? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice, rejoice. Now when you sing that chorus, if you sing it long enough, you begin to smile, don't you? Yeah. It's a command. Therefore, joy is not an option for the believer. It is a command of Christ. James said, the half-brother of Jesus, James said, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Right? So when you're going through trouble, count it all joy. <laughs> Peter said, in this you greatly rejoice. And you go and read the context. He's talking about our salvation, our inheritance in Christ. He's saying, in this you rejoice. In spite of maybe suffering for your faith or being persecuted for your faith or going through trials in life, in this, you rejoice. So he's saying, as followers of Christ, we've got something to rejoice about. The apostle John said, these things we write to you that your joy may be full. He's giving us God's word so that our joy may be full. There are over 90 references to joy and rejoice in the New Testament. But the characteristic of joy in those who trust in God is not limited or reserved to the New Testament. No. In the Old Testament, there are over 200 references to joy and rejoicing. 
Well, the book of Psalms speak of rejoicing in the Lord and in His salvation. There are over 70 references in the book of Psalms alone about rejoicing in the Lord and in His salvation. A well-known verse in the Old Testament is Nehemiah 8.10. The last part of that verse says, and you probably know it off by heart, it says, Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That last sentence is very well known amongst us believers. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And we used to sing a chorus about that as well. Remember, the joy of the Lord. No, no, I got something. Okay. <laughs> he is your strength. And, and we used to sing about these things, and, and we must understand this, that it's, it's the will of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And as youngsters, when you used to sing this, after singing the verse, we used to go, ah, <laughs> Eventually, everybody in the room was laughing and having a joyful time. <laughs> All right? So take a hint. If you're not feeling joyful, start singing about joy and going, ha, 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 ha. You'll soon be very joyful. Always. <laughs> so, but... This verse, again, you need to understand the context. You know, do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So, obviously, God is talking to a people who are full of sorrow because it says, do not sorrow. Why would God tell me not to sorrow if I'm not sorrowing? So, the people, as he's talking to God's people, yeah, the people are sorrowing. Here, the people of Israel had spent a whole morning hearing and being taught the word of God, the laws of God. For a long period, they had not heard the law. They had been far from God. Now Nehemiah has come. He's trying to restore the nation and so on, to rebuild the nation. And so it takes a whole morning. The people sit and the Levites are there, the priest is there, and they're teaching the people the law of God. And as they were taught the word of God, they became sad because they began to realize, wow, this is what God says. This is the will of God. And we have been breaking the will of God. We have turned our backs on God. We've been sinning against God. And they began to get full of sorrow. They got sad. And so Nehemiah, and they even started weeping. So much sorrow there was. Because they were sorry for what they had done, broken the law of God and so on. So Nehemiah was the governor. Together with Ezra, the priests and the other leaders, they told everybody, okay, guys, it's enough for today. Now go home. Go home and have a good meal. Have a party. Just go home and, 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 and eat and drink and rejoice. Share the food with those who don't have food. Because today we're declaring it a holy day. Why? Because the people had heard, they had understood, and they had accepted the word of God. And they were feeling it in themselves. And so they might say, listen, this is a good thing. Let's call this day a holy day. And then they say, folks, it's okay. Do not sorrow. It is the joy of the Lord that is your strength. You've heard the word of God. Now rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in his word. Because that is your strength. And so they went home and they ate and they had a party. They rejoiced. You see, the joy of the Lord is what would give them strength. Not crying about what they had not done. They had to focus on the Lord. Focus in his law. 
obey the Lord, and the joy of the Lord would give them strength. Just like food would give strength to their bodies after a whole morning just sitting over there, hearing the word, hearing the word, and they were getting hungry and weak, just like food would give strength to the, their bodies, the joy of the Lord would give strength to their souls, to their emotions, to their resolve to obey the Lord. And what applied to them all those hundreds of years ago applies to us today. Listen, without joy, a Christian is powerless. Without joy, a Christian is powerless. So, what about joy? Is joy the same as happiness? Is happiness the same as joy? Is there a difference between joy and happiness? And, and some Christians try to kind of find a bit of a, a difference. But when you go to the dictionaries, it's very difficult to differentiate between one and the other. According to dictionaries, they are very much the same. It says happy. A feeling or showing, a feeling or feeling or showing pleasure or contentment. Feeling or showing pleasure or contentment. So if I show pleasure, you look at me and say, oh, he's happy. <laughs> well, if I'm feeling joy and contentment, I feel happy. Feeling pleasure or contentment. That's happy. What, what is joy? It says joy <laughs> is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. So you, you, you get happy. But if you are very happy, you've got joy. It's like you got a bottle of wine, you're happy, okay? You've got a whole case, 12 bottles, you got joy, man. Anyway. But the fact is, the fact is, the truth is, that there is no explicit difference between happiness and joy. Both involve the emotions. Both are pleasurable feelings. And both are mentioned in Scripture in passages that kind of put the two side by side. Now, you, you hear, it's common to hear believers today speaking of a difference between joy and happiness. The teaching goes something like this. Um, happiness is a feeling, but joy is not. Or happiness is fleeting, it goes by, but joy is everlasting. Or happiness depends on circumstances or other people. But joy is a gift of God. You know, we even play with the word. You know, happiness is based on what happens. You know, happens, happy. But joy doesn't depend on what happens. We play with those kind of things, you know. Or it's, we say happiness is worldly, whereas joy is divine. The problem is there is no such distinction made in the Bible. You, find, you don't find that in the Bible. All right? And uh, depending on the translation of the Bible that you are reading, you're going to find that the words happy and, and happiness are used about 30 times, while the word joy and rejoice appear over 300 times. So yes, joy and rejoice are more used in the Bible than happy or happiness. But as you're reading the verses, you're going to find that the Bible uses joy and happy like interchangeably. It's also a matter of... Um, the, the distinctions we make, especially say happy because of happens and joy, that works in English. It doesn't work in other languages. For example, in Portuguese, the verse you've just read, Nehemiah 8.10, it says, the happiness of the Lord is our strength. The word they use for joy 
is the word happiness. Same thing with Spanish and a couple of other languages. French uses joy and so on. So you have to be very careful about putting these little distinctions, okay? <sighs> yeah. So if a person is joyful, then he or she is happy. They go together. All right? There's no such thing as glum joy. Don't, don't, don't mind my face. I'm full of joy, sister. I really am. <laughs> no. When you've got joy, it's going to show. When you're happy, it's going to show. All right? We cannot drain joy of emotion and still call it joy. When God's Spirit gives us joy, then we are happy people. And Christians should be joyful. Happiness should characterize our everyday lives. Now, of course, there are different types of joy and happiness in the world, right? There is a joy that comes from the world. And the Bible talks about the fleeting pleasures of sin in, in the book of Hebrews and other places. Listen, if sin didn't give pleasure, people wouldn't sin, right? Why on earth am I going to do something that does not give me pleasure? So people sin because it gives them pleasure, makes them happy, at least for a little bit. And then comes the whack, all right? There is a joy that is part of the fruit of the Spirit, like I said in Galatians. And uh, there is in the world a temporary happiness and an eternal happiness. But we call both of them happiness. We don't need to split hairs about the meaning of joy and happiness. We just need to decide where our joy is going to come from. Where our happiness is going to come from. Are we happy in the Lord? Or are we content with the happiness that the world gives? Huh? You see, Solomon, he tried the world's brand of happiness. And he found it to be lacking. It was enough. He, he actually said, he said, I say to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. So Solomon tried to experience the pleasures of the world, having known the pleasures of God. And he found the pleasures of the world meaningless. So the joy of the world is hollow. It will fill you for a season, but then leave you hollow. Whereas the joy of the Lord is rich and abundant. The world's happiness will fade with time. But God's people will be happy forever. Because in fact, in our next life, we are going to be a lot happier than in this life. There will be no sorrow in the next life. No sadness. No tears. So our happiness in the Lord, our joy in the Lord is eternal. So when I choose the Lord as the source of my joy, it comes as a fruit of the Spirit in your inner man. Therefore, it's not dependent on what happens around you. And that's why Paul could write to the Philippians a joyful letter. We spoke about it last week. Our verse last week was in the book of Philippians. And it, it's a letter full of joy. Meantime, Paul is writing from a prison cell. He's under house arrest. He's shackled. But he's writing about joy. How does that happen? Because his joy didn't come from outside. It came from inside. And that's what God is calling us to do. Amen? 
Praise the Lord. And that is why James could say, count it all joy when you go through trials. Because James knew that his joy came from inside, not from the outside. That is why Jesus could say, rejoice when people insult you and persecute you and speak evil against you because of him. It is a joy that is not dependent on what's happening outside. You see, our ultimate, our complete joy and happiness is not in this life. It's in the next one. In this life, we will experience moments or seasons of joy and happiness. But it is not constant. It's not all the time. Because we have to do life, right? We have to face problems, face difficulties, face situations. But in our next life, it's going to be complete joy and happiness. Now, Jesus said the following. In John chapter 7 and verse 38, Jesus said, He that believeth on me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And I like this translation, this is the King James. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Belly is used to describe your inner man, your core, your spirit, what's inside of you. But I like the way that he says belly because you see, joy and, and, the, and the fruit of the Spirit and the work of the Spirit and spiritual things, you don't sense them with your head. You feel them here. This is where the, how God speaks. When you're touched by, by emotions, it, it's not here. It is here that you feel them. And it's the same thing that Jesus said. Your joy is not going to come here, out of your head. It's going to flow out of your belly, out of inside of you from your innermost man, from your heart, from your spirit. Often, the things of the spirit are sensed here, in this part of your body, not here. It's okay to understand. It's okay to research. It's okay to connect the dots. But the emotions that are associated with spiritual things, they happen over here. The guidance of the Lord happens over here. You're about the gut feel. I've got a gut feel. Why? Because it's here. When something is not right, you don't get a weird thought. You get a weird feeling. And it's right here. And you must listen to those things. You must pay attention to it. And that's where we look for the presence of the Lord as well. Jesus was speaking about the Holy Spirit when he said this, uh, this verse. He was speaking about the Holy Spirit, which he would send and we have already said that joy is a fruit of the Spirit, an outcome, a result of our relationship with Jesus. So joy resides in you. You don't look for it outside like the world does. When the world wants some joy or some happiness, what do they do? Well, the most common thing is, well, let's drink it. <laughs> you drink enough, you're going to be very happy. Very, very happy. And then next morning, you're going to pay the piper, eh? Because then you've got to deal with your headache and everything else, plus deal with all the nonsense you did while you were happy. The Lord doesn't work like that. You don't need to go outside for joy and for happiness. We go inside. We look for, for the joy of the Lord, not outside, not on your head, here, right here. I, I, I kind of discovered this practically. I was still a student. And one Saturday morning, 
everything that could go wrong went wrong. I had to go out into, into town, into the municipality to sort some things out. And you can imagine, it was a nightmare. And I couldn't get anything sorted out. So I was really disgusted and things were going wrong. And so I'm very mad and I'm driving home in a hurry. So I go over the speed trap and I get a fine. And, and so I, I really got home feeling joyful, right? I got home, I parked my car, I went to the backyard and I said, God, what is going on? I mean, I, I'm your child. I'm supposed to be full of joy. I'm supposed to be happy. And look at my life. Look what's going on. You know, everything can go wrong. It's going wrong. And I've got, and I've got this fine on top of it. I'm having a, a like a pity party. Ever had a pity party before the Lord? It's okay. It's all right. It's okay to have a pretty party before God. You will not strike you with lightning. Believe me. I've had a couple in my life, and I'm still alive, okay? So go for it. And it's necessary sometimes, because sometimes that's the only time when you really go before the Lord and you pour it all out. It's the only time that you're in a position where he can actually talk to you and you can listen to him. So I just, I had my thing there, you know? And eventually I had nothing else to say. And I kind of sense the Lord saying, have you said everything you need to say? Is that it? I said, yes, Lord. Where's, where's that joy? You know, Jesus said, life abundant. You said, you know, rivers. And I just sense the Lord saying, the joy is inside. You see what I've been doing? I've been talking to God about all my circumstances. He simply said, the joy is inside. And I remember this verse out of your belly. So for a moment, I remember I just leaned against a pole or something, and uh, I began to get quiet. I became aware of my inner man. I said, that's true. Lord, Holy Spirit, you're inside of me. And as I became quiet, all of a sudden, I felt almost like a bubbling in the air, and I began to feel joy, slowly, like a little trickle, just rising up inside of me. And as I was there quietly, just, just singing before the Lord, this joy began to increase. And it got more and got more. And I began to chuckle. All by myself, in my backyard. I go, <laughs> yeah, amen, or true. And I began to talk, true, it's inside of me. And, and, and just now I began to chuckle louder. Eventually I was laughing, all by myself, in my backyard. And I'm thinking to myself, if my neighbors are watching, they probably already think I'm crazy. After this, I'm removing all doubt. Because first I go, and then I'm going, <laughs> you know. That morning, I discovered, I experienced this verse. I experienced that the joy of the Lord is something that I carry inside of me, not outside. It's the opposite of that ad advert, you know. It's not inside, it's on top. No, no, no. I was, it's not on top, it's inside. Okay? The joy of the Lord is inside, not on top. Okay? Not on top. Inside. Okay? <laughs> and and, and uh, it's become a reality to me where no matter, and I do have difficult times and problem times, but the minute I go quiet, the minute I look inward, it's there. And slowly but surely, it fills me. And that joy has been my strength. The joy of the Lord has been my strength in many and various circumstances. Many and varied circumstances. So, does be joyful always mean that you must go around smiling the whole day? 
feeling happy all the time. <laughs> Is that what it means? No. Some Christians think that if you, that you are sinning, if you ever feel sad, depressed, upset, or grieved. But, so listen, if rejoicing always, if rejoicing always, being joyful always, means being upbeat and never feeling sadness, then we have a serious problem. Because neither Jesus nor Paul were happy all the time. Hmm? It is interesting that the, uh, the shortest verse in the Greek New Testament is this one. In the English, is Jesus wept. Also, the, the English, the, the one other version of, you know, uh, rejoice always. But I remember as a Sunday school kid, you know, boys will be boys. And you know, whenever the teacher said, memorize a Bible verse for next Sunday, all the boys in the class, Jesus wept. <laughs> shortest verse in the English Bible. Okay? But this verse, be joyful always, is the shortest verse in the Greek New Testament. But the shortest verse, uh, the shortest verse in the Greek New Testament is that one. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. If he wept, he was not joyful. He was not rejoicing when he was weeping. When he faced the cross, the Bible says that Jesus prayed with loud crying and tears. He wasn't happy that he was going to go to the cross. He was terrified. Huh? In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul described himself as sorrowful. He was sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Is this guy confused or what? I'm sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. See, he experienced sorrow, but he did not dwell in sorrow. There's a difference. In Romans 12, Paul tells us in Romans 12, verse 15, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So there's a time to rejoice and there's a time to be sad. And the worst thing you can do to a brother or sister who comes to you and he's feeling sorrowful, he said, the worst thing you can do is, Oh, brother, just rejoice in the Lord. Stop crying, man. Paul said, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. He did not say, exhort those who weep to start weep, stop weeping, and start rejoicing already. No. There's a time to rejoice. And there's a time to weep. There's a time to rejoice with those who rejoice. And there's a time to weep with those who weep. Rejoice always does not mean deny your feelings. Put on a happy face and never feel sad. Nah. Scripture recognizes, recognizes that our circumstances might not always result in our being happy. As I mentioned in the beginning, this verse is part of a staccato command. Be joyful always. Pray at all times. Be thankful in all circumstances. Now, why would the Lord command us to be happy if everything was going well all the time and you are happy anyway? If God commands us to be happy and to rejoice, if He commands us, 
is because there are times in our lives where we will not be happy and we will not rejoice. What this means, people, is that there is something about God and about His grace and about His gifts and about the Holy Spirit. There are some things about Him that we are only going to discover and experience when we go through difficult situations. You'll never understand this verse if you're always happy, if everything is always going fine with you, if there's never anything wrong, if you've got no reason not to be happy, you're not going to understand this verse. This verse hits you between the eyes when you are sorrowful, when you are sad, when you are disappointed, when you are sick, when things are going wrong in your life. And you feel broken inside. You're downhearted. You're weeping. You're sorrowful. That's when this verse kicks in. And you say, but Father, your word says be joyful always. I'm not joyful right now, Father. Your word says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. I need your strength, Father. And that's the time that you get quiet. And you go before the Lord. And you weep before the Lord. You say, Father, I'm going through this. I feel no joy right now. I'm broken, Father. I need your help. And you stay in the Lord's presence. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there's just a little trickle of joy. And you continue in the Lord's presence. And and that thing begins to well up in you. And then all of a sudden, peace and joy begin to flood your soul. But nothing has changed. That Saturday morning, when I felt full of joy, I still had all my problems. I still had a fine to pay. I still had things to sort out at city council. I still had a whole bunch of things to do. But somehow, with the joy of the Lord and with the peace of God, I had a different perspective, a different attitude. And I could face those situations and go through them and get over it. And that has been the story of my life in so many different situations. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It doesn't change my situation immediately. It doesn't change my disappointment, my my sadness, my pain. But somehow, it gives me the strength to do something about it. To go through a situation. To solve a problem. To get over the sickness or disease or whatever it is. To go through with the Lord. I am not alone. Hallelujah. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. Listen, we do life in this broken world. We go through sorrow, with confusion, disappointment. And that's why we are told to be joyful, to pray, to be thankful. So, be joyful always. It does not mean to be joyful all the time, going around smiling and laughing all day. No. But it does mean be joyful in all circumstances. Look for the joy of the Lord in all circumstances particularly in those circumstances which do not make you happy. Amen? Those down times, they they test your ability to trust God, to draw near to Him, and to put your trust and hope in Him. So what do you do? What do you do in difficult situations? Do you blame God? Do you argue with Him? Do you turn your back on Him? Huh? Or... You go to him 
it is okay to open your heart to him. Like I did that Saturday morning, like I still do sometimes. It's okay. It's okay even to ask if it is possible to take away this cup from me. huh? Why do you think Jesus prayed that? He wasn't a happy man when he was praying that prayer, believe me. It's okay. But then, having spoken out, having shared with God, having had your little tantrum, then you surrender. You surrender to him anyway. And there, you'll find your joy and you find your contentment in him. Today's verse, of course, goes hand in hand with last week's verse. I can do all these things. I can go through good times and bad times. I can be content in every circumstance through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? I can be joyful. I can pray. And I can be thankful in good times and in bad times through Christ. Because it is the joy of the Lord that gives me strength. The joy of knowing the Lord gives me strength. The joy that the Lord gives makes me strong. Amen? And I've already made reference to James who said, My brethren, count it all joy when you go through various trials and persecutions and tribulations and so on. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Jesus also had to deal with the pain of the here and now. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says the following. We must focus on Jesus the source and goal of our faith. He saw the joy ahead of him, and so he endured death on the cross and ignored the disgrace it brought him. Then he received the highest position in heaven, the one next to the throne of God. You see, sometimes your joy is not the joy you feel right now. But you look forward to the joy that you're going to have. Jesus, like I said, was not a happy man having to face the cross. But you see, he saw beyond the cross. He saw what would be the result of going through all that suffering. He saw you and me. And that gave him joy. He says, I'm going to go through a hell of a time right now. I'm going to suffer. It's going to be painful. I'm going to be ridiculed. I'm going to be insulted. But look at that. Look at the people that are going to get to spend eternity with me. And for that joy, he endured this. And people, sometimes for the joy that lies ahead, we have to endure, endure the, this. But you see, it's that joy of the Lord, that promise of God, that certainty that we have. That is what gives me strength to go through this. Because I might not be laughing today, but I'll be laughing tomorrow. I might not be smiling today, but I'll be smiling tomorrow. I might not be joyful today, but I will be joyful tomorrow. And that's enough when you trust the Lord. And then you can do this through Christ who strengthens us. What gives us courage to endure our trials and tribulations now should be our ability to see the joy that awaits us beyond our suffering. We have to have an appreciation for the salvation that we have in spite 
of the opposition that we may have to face. When Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, be joyful always. Man, these guys were going through a tough time. That's why he writes this letter to them. They were being persecuted. They were being, you know, put down. They had major problems, major conflict. But they could be joyful in the Lord. Paul's joy overpowered his trials. In spite of your treatment, brushes with death, sorrow, and virtual poverty, he always rejoiced. And in John 15, Jesus linked joy to obedience. He said the following, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. I have told you this, so that your joy may be, my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. So, there is joy in obeying the Lord. The command to rejoice is linked to obedience as well. When you are in difficult trials, or if people have mistreated us because of our faith, we have a choice. Either we can focus on our trials and lapse into self-pity, or we can set our minds on the things above where Christ is at the right hand of God, where our life is hidden in, in Him, and we can rejoice. As Paul commanded in Philippians 4:4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Since we are eternally in the Lord through our faith in Christ, we can always rejoice in the Lord. Our joy cannot be totally oblivious to circumstances. Of course, we are aware of what's going around us. But neither should our joy be governed by these circumstances. Rejoicing always is a conscious attitude of contentment, hope, and happiness that comes from deliberately focusing on Christ and on the eternal treasures that we have received from Him. So, although joy should be a constant in our lives, it is more of a constant attitude, not necessarily a constant feeling. Listen, feelings follow decisions. Feelings follow faith, not the other way around. Amen? The joy of the Lord is a reality in my life. But not always in exuberant emotion, <laughs> okay? I can be sad, I can be disappointed, and I can be hurting, yet I know the peace and joy of the Lord in my heart. And that gives me strength to go on. So church, let us develop a habit of rejoicing always. In closing, here are three simple things you can do that will help you develop a habit of rejoicing always. Number one, focus daily on the blessings of God that have been given you through Christ. Focus on the, on the blessings you've got through Christ. Amen? God chose you before the foundation of the world. In Christ, you are a child of God. Think about that. Focus on that. Hmm? Your sins are forgiven. You have eternal life. And you'll, you'll spend eternity with the Lord. Think about what you have, the blessings you have through Christ. Huh? I've mentioned a few. What else? Get personal. Get down to your life and begin to talk about the blessings you have. In spite of difficulties, ups and downs, what have you got in your life that you can be thankful to? So focus daily on the blessings of God. Number two, walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. Remember, joy is a fruit of the Spirit, not of the flesh. So yield to the Lord daily. Allow Him to control your life in every way. 
Serving the Lord, praying, spending time with Him is not a thing you do on Sundays only. It's an everyday situation. Every day, submit to Him. Yield to Him. And listen, fruit takes time, amen, to produce. So be patient. There are some situations that may take a little bit longer for the joy to come through. Others will be quicker. But learn to yield. Walk in the Spirit. And then number three, sing. Surround yourself with praise and worship. Amen? It's a tool that you can use. In those moments when you're feeling down, pull out your favorite worship songs and sing along. Singing and hearing the word in song will help with that first step of focusing on the Lord and on His goodness to you. Amen? As children of God, we are encouraged. In the Bible, we're encouraged to sing. In fact, the longest book in the Bible is a song book. It's called the Psalms. And that book should not be read. It should be sung, actually. Did you know that? Uh-huh. The Old Testament, Jewish people, they don't read that book. They sing that book. So next time you're reading through Psalms, stop reading and start singing. Make up your own melody. You're going to have fun. It's going to bring you some joy. But do that. I remember that's what I, I, you know, around about that time when I was going through those things as a young man, I would do that. I'd put my favorite sort of, you know, rock gospel and put the volume loud and it would make me happy because it would bring me my focus on the things of God. You heard my wife's testimony this morning, how a song changed her around, took her out of that down that she was in and it still does it. A song which brings the word of God to you can trigger that joy inside of you. In one short trip, she went from depressed to joyful. It can happen to you. But you've got to do these things, guys. You've got to be doers of the word, not hearers only. And start practicing these things. Focus daily on the blessings of God. Walk in the Spirit and sing and surround yourself with praise and worship. If you're struggling to rejoice, these three things should launch you into a place of experiencing the joy of the Lord. Folks, as you go into a new week with its own challenges, I pray that you would become conscious of the joy of the Lord in your life. You hear that? In your life, inside of you. May you be joyful always, not necessarily because everything is going well in your life, but because you know who you are, because you know to whom you belong, because you know what your ultimate destiny is, no matter what the circumstance. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, let's give this mug away and make somebody extra joyful today. How's that? Huh? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's see. Let us see. I'm going to bow down here and just go. Okay. I have number 73. 73. 73. Who gives me more? Number 73. No, really? <laughs> the mommy of the house. No. 73. Not. What did you think it was? Oh, no, no. It's 73. 73. Ah, there you go. Another one. Praise God. Come, brother. 
You're going to be very joyful. Praise the Lord, my brother. Alegria do Senhor é tua força, meu irmão. Deus abençoe. Parabéns. Ok? Enjoy. Seja abençoado, viu? Deus abençoe. Amen. Praise God. Come on. Aleluia. Ok. Amen. Now, all those of you who did not get a mug, or who thought you were going to get a mug, are you still happy? Are you still joyful? Good. <laughs> let us stand up and let us close in prayer. Hallelujah. And then let's go out of those doors and let's go and love this word. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Really good to be together with you guys, really. And with you guys online. It is wonderful. I hope this series has been a blessing to you. Father, thank you, Lord, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Your joy in us gives us the strength, Lord, to live out our lives in you. In spite of disappointments, in spite of problems, in spite of sorrows, and so many other things which come against us in this life. Thank you that we can live with you, for you, and in the midst of various circumstances, your joy can still well up inside us. Your joy and your peace can be sensed in us. And I pray, Father, that everybody here present, everybody online, everybody listening to this message, even right now, Lord, won't you allow, Lord, your joy just to bubble forth in their inner being. And right now, you here, you guys online, you guys listening, right now, just allow the joy of the Lord. Become aware in your belly of that presence. Become aware of the joy of the Lord inside of you. Let that joy give you the strength that you need to face the week ahead, to face challenges in your life, to give you the strength to be a sign to you that you are not alone. There is hope. The Lord is in you, with you, and will work His will in your life. So I thank you, Father. So now, may the love of God, the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and very particularly, the fruit of joy from the Holy Spirit, be evident in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day, a great week, and see you next week for another mug. Amen. Bless you. Amen.